You're listening to The Childcare Diaries, a show that uncovers the impact of childcare on children and their parents. Join Natalie and Naomi from Harmonious Homes as they provide first-hand insight into the world of childcare. Welcome to another episode of the Childcare Diaries. In this episode, we're going to examine the role that childcare centres play in helping children reach milestones, like toilet training, for example. And we're going to consider the expectations parents have on early childhood educators to help their children reach these milestones. And we determine if these expectations align with early childhood philosophy. Let's start with the word training. So training is the action of teaching somebody a particular skill. Now the word development is the process in which someone or something grows or changes and becomes more advanced. So training focuses on a set of desired skills to complete a task, whereas development looks at the bigger picture. It's a more holistic view on the capabilities a person would have. So neither approach is harmful, but When you train someone, you have already decided what the ideal outcome should be. And with training, the trainer heavily influences the learning style. And as we know, everybody learns differently. So from an early childhood development point of view, training requires the child to be a passive learner. It requires them to take in the information and then do what's expected of them. And it's not the way we establish the foundations of learning in children. No, absolutely not. We want to encourage children to be active learners as much as possible so they stay motivated to further develop themselves for a lifetime. That's right. And that's why it's important to take more of a developmental approach when it comes to teaching our children. This way, a child is responsible for the learning that occurs. And we know from early childhood practice that empowering a child to learn at their own pace makes them feel more comfortable and in control and more confident. Exactly. Now, I want to come back to the word training for a minute. So let's take toilet training, for example. Now, there's a lot of literature out there that determines when a child starts showing particular signs that they're ready to start toilet training. And, you know, some of these signs include children showing an interest in visiting the bathroom or letting you know when they have a dirty nappy. Yeah, and I've been told, you know, there's an ideal time to start toilet training, like when your child starts to talk, you should start training or don't start training because, you know, it's not summer yet. (laughs) Oh, yes, I've heard them all. So I want to talk about what these signs actually mean. Now, I've worked in a nursery space for many years, so that's looking after zero to two-year-olds. And toilet training was one of the most discussed developmental stages I had with parents. Parents usually want advice on when to start toilet training or they think their child's ready and they want educators to encourage their child to use the toilet at the centre. Now, a parent once came to me and said that their child, who was under two years old, no longer needed to wear nappies at home because she started taking them off when they were full. So we were instructed not to put a nappy on her and we needed to encourage her to use the toilet as much as possible because she was being toilet trained. Right. So we followed the parents' wishes and offered the little girl a visit to the toilet every hour, but she just refused to sit on the toilet and it led to her having accidents all day. And it took this child over six more months to be able to fully go to the toilet independently. Yeah, poor thing. Yeah, look, it wasn't nice for this little girl. She was uncomfortable a lot of the time. And, you know, you could really see how it affected her confidence and self-esteem. So obviously the parent was frustrated and felt that we weren't being consistent and we weren't encouraging enough toilet breaks. 
but we didn't enjoy having an upset, uncomfortable child to look after. So it really didn't make sense that we wouldn't be trying our best to get this all working for her. No, exactly. It makes no sense for you guys to deal with a crying child all day. And I can't imagine you guys being happy to see a child so distressed. It's horrible. Right? But another child I've looked after showed no signs of being ready to start toilet training and then just suddenly wanted to use the toilet one day and poof, that was it. She was fully toilet trained within a week. And I have so many stories that are similar to these. So I don't believe there's a formula or a right time to train a child to go to the toilet independently. There are so many variables to consider, especially when a child attends childcare. Now, I've seen children who are out of nappies and using the toilet at home, but at childcare, they still have accidents or want to wear a nappy. Now, going to the toilet is a complex act, both physically and emotionally. Children are the most comfortable in their home environment, so it really makes sense that they'd be more willing to use the toilet when they're at home than anywhere else. Yeah, of course. I mean, I agree. Most adults I know prefer going to the toilet at home, so I don't see why it's any different for a child who's been alive, what, two, three years? (laughs) Right? And when children are playing at childcare, there's so much going on. You know, they can get distracted or not want to stop playing to visit the toilet. And this is all completely normal. It's really important that we realise that going to the toilet independently will take time and potentially a lot of practice. So once a child starts showing signs of wanting to use the toilet, there's no set time frame for them to be trained. We really need to look at it differently. Let's stay with toilet training for a minute. So if your child's showing that they're ready to be toilet trained, What they're actually starting is the process of developing their toileting independence. So these ready indicators are more like a heads up that your child's moving in the right direction and for you to start facilitating this newfound interest. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I love that you're saying toilet independence, not trained. Because if we train, the child hasn't come to learn anything on their own. They're just following the steps that you've shown them. But because of the lack of, you know, life experience they've got, they'll probably make quite a lot of mistakes and therefore what fail, if you like, at this trained task a lot of times before they even get it right. And as you said, there are so many variables to consider. So if a child's going through different milestones at the same time, for example, like language development, it's a lot to expect them to also understand how to go to the toilet alone. And then there's the emotional development of a child. That's going to affect their toileting independence as well. They could be feeling discomfort, fear, excitement, or even embarrassment and not sure of what these emotions all mean and then know how to align those feelings with their physical ability to, you know, take their pants off and sit on a toilet properly and make sure that, you know, they don't have an accident before they get to actually go on the toilet. There's a lot going on and there are a lot of firsts for these little people. So we really need to give them plenty of time to get it running smoothly. Yeah, look, you hit the nail on the head there, Nat. And sometimes they're showing signs, but they're not ready. So don't continue putting them in underwear if they have more than two accidents per day. Just try another time. For example, some parents rush this transition if another baby's coming into the family and they only want to buy nappies for one child. Now, depending on the age and maturity of your child, aggression once the baby arrives is quite likely. So just wait for the baby to be born to start the toileting independence of the older child. This way, all the attention that's taken by the new sibling is replaced by them stepping into their new role of big brother or sister and accomplishing a big kid skill, like going to the toilet on their own. Now let's talk about facilitating developmental stages because I think there can be a lot of anxiety around whether your child is developing appropriately or not. 
So how do you support your child in meeting their milestones? So in the past, I've asked my son's childcare educators to help with meeting milestones. Is this a fair responsibility to have? What do you think, Nay? Well, in early childhood education, the philosophy we follow values the needs of a child and how as educators, we're able to meet their needs. You know, we're advocates for children. So I think educators do play a role in providing opportunities for children to meet their milestones. However, we do it in a very respectful way with minimal interruption and intervention of their playtime. Now, research has shown us that children thrive when they're in an emotionally nurturing environment. It has to be safe and predictable, but still cognitively challenging. Childcare centres aim to create spaces that provide children with opportunities to freely explore and develop naturally. So it can be difficult to find the right balance between supporting a parent's wishes and being that consistent foundation a child needs while at childcare. So my advice to parents would be to observe your child more and really determine if there's a need to intervene at all to help them meet milestones. Yeah, and I think that's a fair point because educators are also looking after the needs of a number of children. It's not just that one-on-one care, but parents are a little bit in that no man's land when it comes to understanding development. You know, when I had my first son, I took part in, you know, the mother's group, which was a great experience for me. And I really enjoyed spending time with new mums. And, you know, we were able to share our stories about what was happening with our babies. It was lovely. I was, however, the only person in that group that had experience working around children. And I could see how much the other mums relied on books and websites to sort of help explain what was happening to the babies. And, you know, was everything okay? Was it okay to be experiencing these things? Now, there was an app that was quite popular at the time. I'm not sure if it still is, and I don't want to name it, but it would tell you whether your child was going to have a good developmental week or a bad one or a nothing one. (laughs) (laughs) And look, I followed this app like most of the mums in my group did. And it actually wasn't until I had my second child that I realized how horrible this app actually was for us all to be following. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, with all my years of working in early childhood, I still bought into the idea that there had to be a reason why my son wasn't being good that week. And it was because he was going through a growth period, a developmental period. Oh, well, how dare he? I mean, I know. What does he think? He's human. Like, what's he trying to do? Learn. (laughs) No, but seriously, what I realized was that even at the very beginning of parenting and, you know, as a human, evidently, you're told that there's a right way to behave and there's a wrong way to behave and that when you're acting in this wrong way, it's because you're developing or growing and therefore developing is painful and annoying and, you know, you probably want to avoid it because you don't want to bother anyone, especially your mum, who, you know, is the person you love the most and want acceptance from the most. Oh my God, that's a terrible message to tell new mum. I know, I know, it's crazy. But my point is that we need the support. We're doing all of this stuff for the first time, all alone, with little support and not from the right resources. We need more support from a community that actually knows children and knows development. So far, that's only really been family members or friends who've had kids before or, you know, your doctor. 
But childcare education has trained professionals who know how children develop and how they learn. So if we could bridge the gap between new parents and early childhood educators for more than just childcare purposes, I think it would really help with, you know, the health and well-being of new parents and their babies. Yeah, look, you've made some really interesting points, Nat, and ones that I don't think are even being considered by the childcare industry. We can be a vital resource in educating parents on children's development, not just providing a service of care outside the home. And I can see that new mums want to get some explanation about what's going on with their baby, but that's the problem. We don't need to explain growth. As an educator, I'm not a fan of these milestone apps at all. In my experience, they create unnecessary anxiety in parents. You know, these apps advise parents when their child should be reaching particular milestones, and parents then feel pressured to see results in their child. This is so unrealistic and inaccurate because like we've said before, there's no set time frame when it comes to development. And developing a new skill takes time and children need to repeat it a few times before they become comfortable with practicing something confidently. Now I often hear parents referring to apps or books about child development and I advise them to try and tap into their gut instinct first. Resources provide parents with a general idea of what's to be expected. However, parenting cannot be referred to like a checklist or a schedule. So when you use your instincts, you stay present and you can focus on what's actually happening to your child and their growth and development. A book's expectations can distract you from what your child really needs. So by observing what your child's already doing, the skills they're building become clearer. And in early childhood education, we know that to support the natural and healthy development of children, it needs to be respectful and uninterrupted. So something I learned while working in childcare was that the more consistent a child's day is, the more they'll feel comfortable with changes that they might be going through. Now you can keep things consistent for your child by recreating the childcare environment at home. So it actually used to be the other way around where childcare centers tried to make the spaces feel just like home. But you know, given that children are spending a lot more time in childcare now, it feels like we need to ensure both environments are now mirroring each other. Yeah, I agree. And you know, there are plenty of learning opportunities in the home, just like in childcare. So everyday activities from cleaning, self-care and building relationships can be practiced in both the home and in childcare. And this is a great way to help children meet their independence milestones. You know, I'd also like to mention that as parents, we need to be careful not to project our own insecurities and anxieties onto our children. You know, we can be afraid that there's something wrong with them and we can be worried that, you know, we're not going to do right by them. And of course, we can be anxious that we're going to look like bad parents. And these are all valid emotions and they're felt by most parents at some point in the parenting journey. But it's not the responsibility of a child to prove these emotions wrong. And, you know, when you release your child of these projections, you actually empower your child to be responsible for their own challenges that they're going to have because they will have them. But without the inherited ones, you know, not only is it far better for their well-being, but you take away the pressure you feel of having to manage your child, you know, so they don't prove your fears. And instead, you just support your child by assisting them with their needs as they come up. Exactly. When you support, you don't forecast a desired outcome or predict a failure. What I mean by this is the slow down, you're going too fast and you'll fall comment. (sighs) It's so common yet so harmful. I mean, you're telling your child that they're going to (sighs) fail. Yes. So just take a step back, observe more and be a little more patient with children. It's not a race or a competition. And even adults need room to further develop themselves. So we should pay children the same respect.
So thank you for listening to this episode of The Childcare Diaries. Now, in our next episode, we assess the role that childcare centres play in identifying a child's health and development needs. We discuss the effects of educator feedback and how open parents are in receiving assessments from their childcare centre. And we also consider, are early educators the new developmental doctors? Ooh! (laughs) See you then. To listen to this episode again, go to the podcast page at harmoniousholmes.com.au where a transcript is also available. Please share and leave a review if you enjoyed the episode. If you have any questions about issues raised in this episode, get in contact with Natalie and Naomi via the Harmonious Homes website, Facebook or Instagram page. Harmonious Homes aims to support children and families as they raise healthier and happier kids making the parenting gig far more enjoyable.